Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. How do you take your coffee? We'll start there. How do you take your coffee? You know, I don't drink coffee, but um, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I... I don't drink it. What do you drink in the morning then to start your day? I just get up and go. I, I got endless energy for a chubby guy. You never know what you're going to learn at the Super Bowl here in Phoenix. Beautiful Phoenix. The banners are up. The people are here. Bam. Andy Reid doesn't drink coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm actually shocked by that. I really am. It meshes with the whole idea that there's no stress. He can yeah, right. manage. He doesn't need the caffeine yeah, to get right. through the day. He right. just does his work, goes home, has a cheeseburger out of a shoebox, and goes to bed. Well, and it shows you, too, that you know most of these coaches that we've discussed a lot, right, they're psychos, right? These are your, these are your high-energy kids growing up, your teenagers, where you're like, I don't know what my teenager is doing right now. A lot of these coaches are like that, always looking for action, you know, if they're not coaching and the season's over, it's right to, you know, the golf course or something else to keep them going and keep it going. And that's why they're in the business and that's why, you know, of course, he's an all-time great at it. It's PFT Live. We're here Wednesday of Super Bowl week, February 8th. Time stands still, though, really. It's just crazy. It's frenetic. I can't keep track of anything. It's I'm another level to that. stuck between Eastern time and Mountain yeah. time and Central time. And we got time here to uh, talk about a few things before we're joined by some great guests. We've got Debo Samuel, 49ers receiver, coming up later in the program. Christian McCaffrey, we taped him a little earlier. You'll yeah. see that. Ron Rivera, the commander's head coach. C.D. Lamb, second-team All-Pro receiver this year in his third season with the Dallas Cowboys. And, and. one of the all-time greats. Joe Montana, a guy who knows a thing or two about beating Phil Simms in high-stakes games. Joe Montana will be here with us. Man, that was a lot of high-stakes games growing up. You know, big effort beat him, too, though, a little bit. I think big efforts actually got the 
leg up on him in the playoff wow. series, right? Wow. Probably one of the few people that can say that. Regular season is probably close. I'm going to say Joe's probably well, got Joe, it. But. Well, Joe, Joe was beaten by Jeff Hostetler one game, I remember, he even was. though he had a shoe full right. of shaving cream. 86 and 85, the Giants played the Niners in the, the playoffs those years. The Giants won that one as well. What a uh, time that was I know. in the NFC right. in the 80s with the 49ers. The Giants, the Bears, yes. the Cowboys still had a little something. Washington. Washington won three Super Bowls right. in an eight-year span during that window, 83 to 91. Pretty impressive. It's amazing. It was. It was. A, it's a, I mean, for me, it would always be a special place in football. But I think even if my dad wasn't playing, I think it needs to be recognized as, as we've talked about a little bit, kind of the golden years of football a little bit just because of I feel like it had become finally the, the biggest sport in America around that time. The, the rivalries, like you said, it was five or six teams that you knew were going to win the Super Bowl, and there was no free agency. The teams were the same. So there was personal hate. Like, my dad hated the 49ers. Like, it was, like, real. It wasn't like, oh, hey, yeah, I'll see them in the offseason and we'll play golf. It was like, no, F those guys, like the damn 49ers. <laughs> I mean, definitely. And I think uh, some of that language was coming back his way as well. <laughs> it is amazing, though, how the game has changed. It started with free agency. And then... For the first 30 years or so of the salary cap and free agency, the mindset typically was if you had a quarterback who checked the box as a pass on a pass-fail standard, if you had a guy who was getting it done, right. you kept him. Yeah, that's right. And it started to turn with Alex Smith, 2017, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes drafted. We all knew it was one more year of Alex Smith before Mahomes was taking over. And look at what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts while Carson Wentz was still the starter. They draft Jalen Hurts, and everybody's like, oh, are they thinking about moving on? And yes, they did. We got to a point where teams decided if the quarterback isn't good enough, he yeah. can be good, right. but good enough is no longer good enough except in Minnesota. And, and we're I knew seeing, you were going to say that. Here it comes. And, and we see these teams moving on, and that leads us to Derek Carr yeah. and the Raiders and where that currently stands. That's one of the biggest items of news that we'll get to before we get to our guests and we get to Super Bowl week. The Saints have been granted permission to meet with Derek Carr. Carr has permission to go talk to them. Now, everyone assumed this means Carr is going to be traded to the Saints. I did a little digging yesterday once we worked free of Radio yeah. Row, and I still think Carr's being cut. This is just an opportunity for Carr to get a head start on this free agency sure. that begins next week. Because unless he can talk to everybody out there, every team that may be interested, he's not going to agree to a trade. It's cut me or pay me, and they're going to cut him. Right. Well, and I think, you know, off of that, I, I would expect him to be cut as well. Uh, I, I, I understand that. You know, and, and the compensation, of course, that adds, uh, you know, some some extra levels to this conversation. Whatever you give the Raiders right. by way of draft pick is less money than you would give to Derek Carr. If you can get him as a free agent, you'll pay him more than you would pay him if you had to give up a third-round pick. I saw a third-round pick floating around yesterday. It's going to be no-round pick. He's going to be cut. Yeah, right. And then we kind of know the teams that are going to be viable here, right? Who do you think? Jets, Saints, who else? Panthers? I don't. I, I don't feel like the Panthers and Frank Reich and Tepper are <laughs> going to go Reich, for that. Frank right? Reich's had enough. He's of like the, enough of the retread quarterback right? tour. Right. Yeah. And I think Tepper. I would think one of the reasons he got Frank Reich was like, "Hey, wait, you have an eye for quarterback, so I only got a guy here that maybe we can draft one and and we can figure it out the right way." Right. I don't expect that. We don't expect the Colts to go that way because they've been burned by that. So, yes, I I would think and or. or or, or suspect number one for the Jets would be Aaron Rodgers, but I could see Derek Carr there. And then after that, 
I think New Orleans is a team that I, I would think about. New Orleans has got some pieces on the offensive side of the ball and things where you go, well, they're, they're still good. They could still be a, a high-functioning offense. I'm not sure it's ready to just go like total rebuild mode there. And we know the defense is damn good, too, especially the way they played at the end of the year. So I could see them maybe going, wait, we kind of still feel like we're in a little bit of a window here to get in the playoffs. We don't want to start with the rookie quarterback. Maybe we want to go with the Derek Carr type what, of thing. What about elsewhere in the South other than Carolina or New Orleans? Houston, what about Tampa Bay? Or Tampa, Tampa Bay. Sure. You know, I, 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 Tampa, I just feel like. You don't want to follow Tommy? I Follow Tommy and a little bit like. Don't you get the sense that Tampa needs to just start over? I, I almost feel like it's... But with what, Kyle Trask or well, draft somebody else? Or draft somebody else. Just or, a hard reset. I think so. I think they might. the lifeline of that team might be over to where it'd be a hard reset. And then the other team we talk about is Houston. Would Houston want to get into that conversation? You know, yeah, brother, he is a Texas kid. But I would think, again, they're a team that's going to be looking at a quarterback here for the future, too. So there, there's some things there that are, are certainly interesting. But New Orleans is one that's at the top of my mind. I remember when he was drafted in 2014, there was just a very strong vibe that the Texans weren't going to go that route because he's David Carr's yeah. brother and things ended so badly with David. You never know what David's saying to Derek. Now, when Derek is entering this phase of having multiple options and multiple teams at the table, if he plays this right, he can come out of it with a good deal. That's why this Saints thing, if it's just the Saints, that's not enough for him to work the angles and get the best well, that's possible what, yeah. outcome and feel comfortable. Right. you got to feel comfortable about it. you got to do your due diligence. The Raiders should have let him start this process as soon as the season ended. Let him start going around to the interested teams and hope that they could maybe work out a way to thread the needle and get somebody to trade for him for fear of him going somewhere else. But even then, he's still got the no-trade clause. Yeah. He's got the hammer. And the hammer is cut me or pay me. That's what he needs to say. That's what he should have been saying. And I think that's what he's going to ultimately say next week. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think we're, you know, he, he's got a, all the power here for the most part. But, but here's one thing, Mike, that I'll just, that at least percolates in my brain a little bit. Do you, do you think it's a given that one of these teams for sure is going to give him $40 million a year? But if they were going to trade for him right. and take $40.4 million in full guarantees, yeah. if they're going to trade for him, right. you're going to get more on the market if someone is going to pay you that much and give the Raiders what they want. You get yourself to an open competition. I mean, look at Deshaun Watson sure. last year, and it's apples and oranges to a certain extent. Yeah. But Deshaun Watson sets up a trade with all that baggage, knowing he was going to be suspended. Right. And he still finagled it through his agent in a way that brought four teams to the table. They threw the Browns out at just the right time after they pissed off Baker Mayfield right. and the Browns got desperate and swung back around. My point is, you can't even get those pieces in motion until you're free. And he has a four-week head start on every other unrestricted free agent because he's cut, he's available. He can go to New Orleans, he can go to New York, he can go to Houston, he can go anywhere, and then they can set up the same kind of competition that the Texans and Deshaun Watson did last year. And that's the way you make it work. But then you figure out where you want to be. Yeah. You visit with all of them. You develop a gut feeling of who you want to play for. And I think that's what Derek Carr needs to have time to do. And that's the key. The Raiders haven't given him time to do it. So it makes it even more likely, he says, pay me or cut me. And I thought for a while maybe they were considering letting that money vest and then trying to trade him afterward. I don't think they're going to do that because I don't think Mark Davis wants to commit that money and run the risk of not having right. a trade partner, maybe having to pay yeah, a large pay a chunk of that of like right. we've seen other teams sure, do. Sure, sure. I, I understand that too. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think I'm with you that I expected yeah, to be cut. You know, I, I'm not, I don't think it's a huge deal as far as, as we discuss all the time, 
I'm permission or not, like we know that they were they were having conversations with the teams that are, and we know that. I mean, they're not. They don't. They didn't need permission. You know, so but you can't visit. No, yeah, you can't if visit. You that's the visit, difference. That's the key. That's the difference. You can talk. Right. You can have hypothetical discussions. They don't. As long as you're discreet about it, you're not going to get in any trouble. Yeah. Every once in a while, once every five or six years, there's some random, vague tampering thing that nails someone. Last year with Miami, it was because Bruce Beal, the minority owner of the team, was being too open in his admissions right. that they were trying to get Tom well, Brady. If you keep your mouth shut about yeah. it, no one's going to know, no one's going to care, and the NFL's not going to give you a hard time. So we think he's going to be cut. It would happen next Tuesday yeah. because if he's on the roster as of 4.01 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, right. he's definitely on the roster the next day when the business day starts. His $40.4 million is fully guaranteed. So Tuesday's the day they got to say bye-bye Derek Carr. How do you feel about Derek Carr, like if you're the Saints or – you know, the Jets, right? Like, it's very polarizing, Derek Carr. You know, again, he's a starting quarterback in football. He's, you know, had a... I think he's actually... You know, his career's been okay, right? He's had some weird circumstances. There's a reason the team that's had him for eight years is moving on. Well, and I would say it's it's really odd that a guy that for eight years and all the amount of games he's played and it's... I think he's only won somewhere about 40% of his games and all that... You know, it, 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 in in some ways, you do look at it sometimes and go because I, I I think I think more highly of them than maybe some people. I talk to some people in the NFL and they're always like, "Oh man, Derek Carr. I mean, come on. I mean, Derek Carr. What are you gonna do, right?" So he's kind of like a even in the NFL with people I talk to, it's very polarizing when you bring up his name. Some are believers in him. Others think he's gotten a little bit of a free pass there. Gosh, he's only been to the playoffs once. He wins forty percent of his games. You know, you know, teams that have, you know, for, for a quarterback that I think has made 150 starts, whatever, you know, the resume is at the bottom of quarterbacks for that. So that's where I, I feel like this is going to be interesting to see who's really interested in him. It's nine years for Derek Carr, drafted in 2014. He has missed only, I'm doing the math here real quickly, he missed one game in 2016, one right. game in 2017. That was when he suffered the broken the leg broken late leg, in the regular season, the missed the playoff right. game, the one time they got to the playoffs until 2021. He missed two games this past year because they told they him to bye. miss those games. Right. You're out of here. Right. He would have played all 17. So he's been durable. There's a lot of Kirk Cousins similarities Well, here, there is. I think right? there is. That's where it's polarizing where, like that. You know, you're right. You're good enough to be good enough. Right. Are you great? And the Raiders are moving on because they want great. So these other teams out there – it's almost like a fail-safe. It's almost like a stopgap. Like, we don't know who our quarterback's going to be, so let's just have this guy for a while until we figure out who our great quarterback is going to be because we don't think he's going to be great here. Why would you think, in all fairness and with all due respect, and you can never say with all due respect and then do anything but insult the person <laughs> afterward, yeah. but with all due respect to Derek Carr, why would anyone think that a guy who's had nine years to be great with the Raiders is going to go somewhere else and be great right away. I, I, that's, I think the Jets would be the best choice because they have such a great team already in place. Sure. I, I, I think there's, there's a lot of you know, uh, potential there. Uh, and, and again, we know Zach Wilson's not ready. They, he's not wanted by the fan base there. So I, I would think that, yes, they exhaust the conversation a little with Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr would be the second guy. The Saints are the one that I really look like you could be like to what you're talking about. 
Like, we're not sure he's the future, but he's good enough right now to where we can win, we can be in contention and, and be a pain in the butt in the NFC. We got Chris Olave and still a pretty good O-line and Alvin Kamara and that defense to where uh, you, that, that seems to be the two spots that make the most sense right. to me. And the Jets become a challenge, too, because, number one, the media market will not be kind. The fan base will not be kind. If there's any struggle whatsoever, sure. right. it's going to be great the day he walks through the door and holds up the jersey. Everything after that is going to be down. Scrutinized. Any right. adversity, any three turnover games, any of the stuff that caused him to fall out of favor in Las Vegas, he is going to become persona non grata in New right. York, and that's just not going to go well. So if I was him, I wouldn't want the Jets. And then you've got all these Jets fans that are juiced up for Aaron Rodgers. You come off as the second choice. Yes. And, and that just makes the criticism even stronger if there's failure of any kind or struggle of any kind by Derek Carr. So I think you're right. I think the Saints make a lot of sense. He's better than Danny Dalton. He's better than Jameis Winston, right? And uh, you know, I think there's, uh, as far as you know, the offense they're running down there, it's similar to Gruden's. So it won't be a huge adjustment. You can kind of hit the ground running that way as far as the West Coast terminology and all that. So, yeah, that's not the one I, I kind of seem to lean to in, into the most, and, Mike. And at least that southern accent that he slips into from time to time will fit if he's in New Orleans. <laughs> Maybe he'll such... slip into a Cajun accent from time to time. <laughs> You're such a jerk. But he does. Yeah. I mean, should we just ignore well, it? Aaron Rodgers? It's got to be in there. Like, See, he has more of an excuse to than Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, he actually is from Texas, so he might have actually talked like that a little bit one point in his life and then you know you get around like I lost my Jersey accent when I left Jersey for a long period of time and people were always like oh you don't sound like you're from Jersey but then when I get around my Jersey friends like a little, London. then all of a sudden I'm like hey hey F you, hey, yeah, get the hell you. out of here. You know, yeah. go to the mall. I'll call you later. Thank you for restraining <laughs> yourself because we are live I'm trying on to Sky be good. Sports NFL. They can't bleep it out. Not that they ever do anyway. So uh I wonder what Aaron Rodgers' accent will be when he emerges from four days in a sensory deprivation chamber. I wonder if he comes out <laughs> speaking a different language. <laughs> what, what is this? Why is he the only guy in all of sports that does this weird-ass stuff? I, I don't know. It's, it, it's, he's different. He is. It's, it's why I love him, but I think it's also why like most of the NFL is scared of him, too, because it's like, you know, as we talk about all the time, coaches are old school and conservative by nature. And like, what, you're going to a jungle and doing ayahuasca and you're, you know, locking yourself in a room? They look at that stuff and go, that's batshit crazy. That's crazy. What the there hell is that? Go. There you go. Sorry, <laughs> London, I'm here. Uh, but but, <laughs> but so, so that's where he, he's a fascinating character. But, yeah, here's another offseason tale of, you know, finding the inner questions. Well, well, because in between ayahuasca last year to learn how to love himself and this four days yeah. in a complete total darkness chamber, there was the thing that bubbled up over the weekend where he was the guest speaker at some astrological seminar on how to love yourself. Like, he spent a lot of time figuring out how to love himself. And he's a guy that seems to have a pretty high opinion of himself as it is, frankly. But, then, but <laughs> I think he's, I think he's already I think he's already <laughs> kind of cracked the code on how to love oneself. But I don't get this. I mean, it, it is, it's not a healthy experience to shut yourself off from all light and to be stuck in there for four days. I don't want to go down the whole, you know, personal hygiene rabbit hole, but there will be challenges presented. 
you know, Damn, I guess cleanliness. I, I never even thought about that. Bodily function. Right. Do you just kind of feel your way you to feel the, like just to like the you curved do seat? I'm doing it every night in the hotel room right now. <laughs> I'm kind of just like, I don't know where the hell I am, but I know that toilet's in this general direction. Uh, it I mean, is, it's like prison. It's an undesirable experience. I don't know what comes out of that. Is it like you're so miserable that that gives you the answer as to how you find your true happiness? I think what I read a little bit is it like leads to like clarity and almost hallucinations because you're in the dark so long that your brain goes there. I, I have very little understanding of it, but you know, I don't know. How many times can you take ayahuasca? Can that be really that good for you to well, take but, over and but over? Really, but I, I'm just trying to think because yeah. I, I am somebody that needs constant action. Yeah. I need to always be right. doing something. Not that I need to be like, you know, I don't want to sound like I got to gamble because I don't yeah, get, yeah, I just, yeah, right. I get, I get a right or you want to watch a, TV I get an adrenaline rush from yeah. just working and thinking and being able to do things. Yeah. The idea of being frozen in a place with no light for four days, I don't know what good comes out of that other than like you undergo some fundamental transformation. And is there a button you can hit? to stop the ride. That's Man. what I'd like to know. Like Ooh. after six hours, if he decides I'm out, I'm done, does he do that? And would he tell anyone if he said, you know what, I got all the clarity I needed after about an hour and 30 minutes in the hole? Because that's what it's like. It's like being thrown in the hole yeah. in a maximum security prison. I can't. I cannot imagine. I cannot. This definitely will not be, you know, ayahuasca might be something I might try later on in life. Put me in a dark room by myself for four days will never be happening. I, I can't help but wonder whether he's trolling us. I don't know why he feels compelled to tell us. Is. Just go do it. Last year, he didn't tell us he was doing ayahuasca before. Just go do your sensory deprivation thing and then let us well, know about it afterwards. Well, what, what's concerning to me is the conversation we have here at all. That, that it's, it's, you know, you're Aaron Rodgers. I know you, you, hey, you've had an amazing career. You're one of the greatest of all time. And you, know, you certainly deserve the respect to, to figure things out a little bit. But I never like, like hearing... I'm on the fence, sir. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And this is supposed to be the guy that's your highest paid player and the best player on your team. Those are just signs that don't point to success for me. You know, that, that's what would scare me a little bit. And uh, that's where it's, it's, it's different than Brady. I know Brady last year, he had his retire and thing and all, but we didn't buy it. I think right. we were all, and then we started to hear rumors and we were like, oh, he's not retiring. He's, he's all in. He's doing it again. He's, he's doing it again. So. Brady's already starting down that path of maybe he's going to come back. Not that he has something going on behind the scenes, but but Rodgers has become Favre. He really has. As bit. much as they didn't get along mm -hmm. early in his career, he's on the same track. It's been the same year in and year out. Will I or won't I play? And it gets tiring. And I've heard that players on the Packers roster are just over it. They, just, how could they, they, they don't care. Whatever happens, happens. Just right. let us know if he's going to be here. And if right. it's not him, let us know who it's going to be. We just can't worry about it anymore. I would think that the whole organization is exhausted by it a little bit. But there's nothing they can do. They're going to have to deal with it here for another Other year. Other than try to find a way to nudge him out. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It's not going to be easy because, I, again, I don't get the feeling that he really wants to be nudged out. But uh, we'll see where that goes. They it need really to, fly, and they we'll need see to figure out some clarity. where the isolation chamber is and they need to like pipe in subliminal messages leave us that gets them to leave the <laughs> Green Bay to New York <laughs> bye right. uh, the whole goal of all of it is I presume to land in a place where he can come back to the Super Bowl a game he hasn't played in now for 12 years and counting let's pivot to Super Bowl 57 here's a little of Patrick Mahomes the Chiefs quarterback on the biggest challenge of facing the Philadelphia defense on Sunday they're great everywhere, so it's, it's, it's hard to pick one. I mean, obviously, I'd probably say the defensive line just because 
I mean, they're on the like a historic uh, sack, uh, sack rate and uh, the way they're able to get to the quarterback. And so everybody knows that everything starts up front. And so it will be a great challenge for our offensive line to try to do what they can in the run game and the pass game of protecting and run blocking. Um, but, I mean, they got great DBs. they got great linebackers. Um, and so when you have a great unit, it's about how can you execute and, just, and prevent negative plays. And they've done a great job, especially in the playoffs, of, of causing negative plays. And then and turnovers are usually what win and lose a, uh, a football game. And so uh, for us, we understand it's going to be a great challenge through and through. But the defensive line is, is a special group. And so I'd probably say that. Yeah, I mean, look, this is one of the big issues that, we know the Chiefs are going to face. We saw it two years ago when Patrick Mahomes couldn't get away from the Buccaneers rushing four right. all the time. Can he get away from the Eagles, the right. tendency to throw in that extra guy? Can they get to him before he can make magic? How much will the ankle be an issue in his effort to elude them? We're going to learn that, I think, in the first couple of drives Yeah, of the game. you're right. I would agree. I mean, they, hey, the Eagles, they pose a lot of challenges. We know that. You know, but, but this ain't like the Super Bowl two years ago. This offensive line is totally different. Patrick Mahomes is a better player now than he was two years ago in that Tampa Super Bowl. And as we've discussed a little this week, I think because of the no Tyree kill, they have more answers in their offense. And that's where this is going to be interesting. One, this is one of the best pass-protecting O-lines in football with one of the best pass-protecting head coaches in the history of football and Andy Reid. Really, Andy Reid, through his history, quarterbacks getting hit a lot is not a thing. They're always kind of schematically in the right place, let alone talented up front. So he's going to be able to figure that out. And then, you know, hey, you know, some of their, they, oh, you think they're going to block it up. The Chiefs are tricky. You think, oh, they're, we're going to blitz, they're going to block it up. They'll do the opposite. They'll send everybody out and go, you know what, we're not going to block anybody. And we're, now you're going to have one less guy, and we're just going to throw it out there and let one of our freaks run in space. So that's where it is a really interesting matchup here. This is one game all year where I can sit here and go, the Eagles' D-line is not going to steamroll this team when it comes to the pass rush. They definitely are not, let alone – I think he's going to be able to move effectively enough, and we'll see, like you said, after the first few drives, that he'll still be extremely dangerous. At the end of the day, they got 11 players. They deploy them at their own risk, and they may deploy them at their own peril. Let's take a look at what's yeah, some let's of the get, things this is the a big thing. pass rush has done over the course of the season. We'll begin week 13 against Tennessee. Here's Josh Sweat. Watch this. Getting around the edge and getting it done. Yeah. This Josh Sweat, we don't talk about him a lot, but between Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick on the edge, they're a handful. They are a team that has a good enough front four to just get there with four, but I'm not sure they can do that consistently this week. Brandon Graham, the hero of Super Bowl 52, still getting it done. That was a bull rush sack against the Saints week 17. Here's week 11 against the Colts and Dominican Sue and Linval Joseph up the middle. Up the middle. A couple they of guys they added too. on the fly who can get it done. And how about this guy? Here yeah. it is. He's the best this pass is the one that's changed the game. The game. Right. Don't block him with a tight end. Hassan Reddick, and he, he is motivated because he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Triple header of double-digit sacks yes. for Hassan Reddick with the Cardinals, with the Panthers, and now with the Eagles, and he was available for anyone to sign, and we know how important pass rush is, and he's an Eagle on a, on a favorable deal for the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that's where they're special. You kind of just hit on it, right, Mike? I mean, they can Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave or a Lindell Joseph, and that they can push the pocket up into the quarterback's face, but yet, oh, wait, I'm getting pressure around the edge. I need to step up. But again, that's where this is fascinating. Orlando Brown at left tackle is the real deal. The three interior linemen for the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, we're talking about it all big butt, big asses game right here when we're, you know, just the kind of thing I like. 
because Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney is one of the best pass-protecting guards in football. You know, Wyatt Smith's a big guy who's athletic and gotten a lot better at right guard. So uh, that's where it is going to be very interesting to see the Eagles approach. One, are they going to be aggressive and send those five-man fronts and take one guy out of coverage? Or are they going to first play it conservatively and see if their front four can get there by itself? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if their front four can just get there by itself. And then, as we know, the Chiefs do things, right, with sprinting out Mahomes to change the launch point a little bit, right? They motion and move people around to where that can slow the pass rush. Wait, are they giving the reverse? Are they giving the speed sweep? i got to wait and be in my run lane here. And that's something, Mike, that I kind of broke down in the podcast last week is – an element that has popped up to me when you watch the Eagles, and it kind of showed itself in the 49ers game, it, when you motion a lot, pre-snap movement a lot, Mike, they like to be, oh, wait, you're in this formation? We got a defense that's going to smush it. Oh, wait, you motion to the other side, and now you're in a different formation? Well, we're not going to stay in the same defense because you're in a different formation. We're going to go to another defense to smush the things you do out of that. But as you know, right, it's a lot of communication and moving parts when you do that. And at times when you watch them, they're talking to each other when the ball's being snapped, trying to figure out who's got where and what. And that can be scary against you know, this group in red. Quite a coincidence that you would mention the potential struggles of the Eagles against motion because we have some plays to show you. Examples of communication issues, breakdowns, motion sickness. Very well done. <laughs> there, here we go. This is against the Jaguars back in week four. But see, you can see linebacker, corners, they're all trying to talk to each other, kind of figure out where they're going. Oh, wait, we forgot about the guy that's going behind all of us, right? Jamal Agnew with a 24-yard exactly. reception. Here's week 13 against the Titans. Here comes some motion and watch the defense right. try to react. Because now they're trying to change rules. Wait, you need to be here. I need to be there. Oh, no, set hut. And now you're out of position. And it leads to some gaping holes. For a great defense, this is one of their flaws they have, Mike. And it'd be interesting here again. Watch this, Mike. Yeah, motion. Christian McCaffrey coming up later in the program. Put him in motion, and there goes McCaffrey through the hole. Right, and they, they don't get the right run fit. Where it just felt like even without Brock Purdy, they yeah. were going to find a way to make it happen. That's Purdy still See, in the here game. we go, this another motion shift. The yep. linebacker goes over too far. Now he's not in the backside gap there. And we know, I mean... Gosh, we've had fun early on in our career talking about the Chiefs and how fun they are with their motions and all that, let alone we know they're crazy to come up with more stuff like that for a game like this. And if we know it, the Chiefs know it, and they spent the last two weeks coming up with creative motion to try to short-circuit that defense and put them in a bad spot, slip a guy through to an open area, and that's part of the challenge for the Eagles, shoring that up and right. staying ahead of what they know the Chiefs are right. going to do. Right, like, so that's where I go, like, you know, if you're the Eagles – you think they come out maybe a little conservatively on defense maybe just to go like, wait, let's get a feel for what they're going to do instead of just trying to like go for the jugular right away, right? To then where, okay, yeah, you play an aggressive defense that you think can make some plays, but they might have some tricks for you. And all of a sudden you go, oh, my gosh, we didn't prepare for that or we didn't communicate you know, this defense quickly enough and now you're in trouble, I would expect them to be a hair conservative early well, on. But look at what worked for them against the I know, 49ers. that's what I mean. It it's not in their DNA here. And again, it right. was right place, right time. It wasn't right. a deliberate attempt to injure the quarterback, but it was aggressive, and it worked, and it set the tone for the game. And that's what it's going to come down to, I think. How aggressive will the Eagles be, and will it work? And if they're too aggressive and get burned, and they start getting themselves into a shootout, if it's a shootout, they're not going to be able to match the Chiefs. I don't, I don't think if it gets into if, if that would be my biggest concern for the Eagles. One we've talked about they haven't been in any really competitive battle-tested football games. We know 
the team in red and the guy wearing one five are not going to be phased by the, the the magnitude of this game. Like, I would, I I don't expect any blowout any way here, but I would be I would be a little scared if oh man the Chiefs jumped out to a fourteen nothing lead right and now. Wait, I don't know if you're going to be able to run the ball quite the same way you'd want, yep. and now it's going to be a throw-the-ball type of football game. I think that certainly would play into the hands of the Chiefs in, in this matchup. And if the Eagles get into a spot where they have to throw the ball regularly, there is one guy in particular they need to worry about, the right. guy who can wreck the entire offensive game plan. That's Chris Jones. We've the got best some defensive line in this Chris game. Jones dominance throughout the course of the 2022 season week 10 against the jaguars here he is teaming up with carlos dunlap to get through and get to trevor lawrence and just i mean the guy when he wants to take over and we saw it in the afc championship the guy just takes over same game another one just gets to trevor lawrence and gets him down on the ground yeah he's he can do it all i mean there's just not a there's not a weakness to his game and good luck running right you know he's <laughs> he's a giant he man falls on him that is 340 pounds, but he moves like he's a guy that's 295 pounds. So he can play D end. He wins with power. He wins with quickness. He's got great. Th- this to me, Mike, another aspect of this football game that I've kind of broken down in my pod is get your hands up. This is going to be a get your hands up game. He's great at batting balls down because of the read option and all that, and the RPOs going to be a big part of this one. So and those those last two we saw. Forcing the intentional grounding right? when it looked like the Bengals were going to get something going. And then the sack of Joe Burrow right. to kind of put the hammer in it and get the Chiefs the ball back. Think back to Super Bowl 54. Think back to what Jones did to freak out Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember there was the play where George Kittle was wide open? Yes. And he was afraid to throw it that way because he was hands afraid Jones up. was going to throw right. his hands up and knock the ball down. Right. And Jones was a guy who didn't get the credit for it at the time but had a huge role yes. in helping erase that 10-point deficit. He slips into these these mindsets where he's just taken over. Yes. And he gets into that at any point on Sunday, and he will at some point. Right. You just have to weather that storm. He's going to at some point take over the game, and he has a knack for doing it when the game's on the line. He definitely does. Uh, and, and, and listen, if the Chiefs can get this game into, oh, Philly has to throw the ball more than they would like, that's advantage Chiefs for sure. Because then it's not only do they have some good pass rushers, we know that, it's also not the strength of Jalen Hurts. And then what I would throw on to that too is that's where Spags gets scary. Steve, Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, when he starts to get into, oh, wait, I know you're going to throw here. Man, his blitzes, his ability to stress protections, disguise coverages, drop people, do all that, that is advantage there. Now, that's just, can they get the game to that point? I don't know. You know, do the Chiefs have enough big guys, Mike, on that D line and enough depth to not get steamrolled by the Eagles in the run game a little bit? That, that's certainly another big question of the football game that I'm not sure if I. I don't even know if I, you know, I don't have an answer for it. I think they can. I do think that, that there's enough depth in big people. But this is, again, we're talking about an offensive line that, you know, you talk to people around the league, they're going, it's, it's one of the better offensive lines we've seen in football over the last decade. That's how good it is. You know what I wonder about? I just thought of this. I hadn't considered it before. Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Jason's the center for the Eagles. Travis is a tight end for the Chiefs. I just wonder if in their casual conversations – about their teams, about life, about whatever. At some point along the line, maybe Travis said some things about Chris Jones, about things he does, things he does well, things that he struggles with, that Jason just kind of filed away. 
long before they ever thought they'd be playing each other in a Super Bowl. Right. And, you know, you think the odds of that happening are remote. And I just wonder whether or not there was any inadvertent brother-to-brother communications that Jason will now use. Yeah, it'd be Something interesting. Something to ponder. Something to ponder. When we return, we'll talk to somebody who has played both the Chiefs and the Eagles. 49ers receiver Debo Samuel back on set live here in Phoenix, site of Super Bowl It's 57. a Grand Canyon, Mike. That is a Grand Canyon, I think. I don't know. I'm still not sure. We'll be right back. If it's grand, then it's a canyon. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There they are. Good. Getting ready, and he's leading the way. Oh, there like he is. He always does. The DJ. I wonder how heavy that thing is. Man. It is pretty heavy, though. It is pretty heavy. And what's yeah. his name holding that? Uh, DJ Curry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Trent Williams. I love it. Getting ready, too. Wait, how and did... here he is, Debo Samuel. So tell us, like, how did that conversation go down? I don't know if we ever asked you this. Like, what, did you go to Kyle and go, okay, can we. Because everybody in the NFL is now copying you guys. It's, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. That they're copying you? Yeah. And but, so did you just go to Kyle and go, hey, we want to play music as we're coming out of the locker room? Well, or? I got to go to Kyle about, about, about stuff like that. He just let you do it. Yeah, he just let us do it. Right. He, he, he a player's first type of coach, and if, if, if we feel like that's, that's just how we vibe, he, you know, he just let us go with the flow. Yeah, that's awesome. Who picks the music? Me and Trent. <laughs> you is it, do you go back and forth, or do you come? You come we to come a consensus. We're we not gonna go back and forth by no music. So what, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure some of the big country white offensive linemen are like they be go, vibing with us. They vibe, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they want to be like play they some country music sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> that was always a fight in the locker room back in my day. One always. of the things we love about the 49ers, Debo, we say this all the time. What makes you guys great is you seem to be a collection of players who will roll out of bed and run through a wall without any hesitation, without any second thought. And it just seems like John Lynch has done a great job of identifying guys like you, George Kittle, just badasses. Do you feel that when you go out on the field to compete against somebody that you guys are ready without any sort of pause, just we're going to go get this done and we're going to hit you as hard as we need to to make it happen? I mean, we do it to each other at practice. 
So, I mean, we get really excited when we can do it to somebody else, you know. Um, that's, just, that's just something that, 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 like you just said, John Lynch and, and Kyle and, and Jed, like they do a really good job of going to get guys that fits our team. As you can see, um, later in, like, the second half of the year when we got Christian McCaffrey, what a perfect fit to be in a system like ours, you know. Um, yeah. With the guru, big-headed offensive guy, Kyle, calling the plays, you know. Man. It's just. How dare you talk about my friend like that's that? That's my dog. You got your tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's yeah. still there. <laughs> Kyle's uh, had his removed, but Chris still has yeah, his. Yeah, still going. I'm a loyal friend, all right? Wow. Uh, <laughs> he didn't really have his removed. <laughs> Um, either way, wait, all right, so do you feel like, you know, that's always encouraged, too? Because we do talk about that a lot, how, like, no hesitation in your guys' game. It's like right? zero. Like, What's that? It's like no hesitation. No, there's none with any of you. So do the coaches always kind of kind of pound that into your brain? Or is I mean, that, that's, just, that's just like... It's just a part of your culture there. That's, that's just the culture, like, yeah. legit. Like, if you, if you ain't built to... Get down. And you ain't a 49er. There you go. Right. There you go. <laughs> who's the craziest of the crazy? Who's the guy that would run through the thickest Yeah, wall? who's the guy that nobody in the locker room wants to mess with? They know they're just, they're, they're, they'll throw down. And you're like, damn, all right, he's crazy. There's always that guy. We got a lot of those. I know you do. I know. I mean, you're probably in the list. Like, we got a lot of those guys. Yeah, yeah. You got Fred. Right. You got Aziz. Right. Dre Greenlaw. Right. Jimmy Ward. Right. Like, I could name... They're ready to throw down. Everybody, like anybody out there. If you were taking one, though, give me one. I'm taking Trent. You're taking, taking Trent. Trent. Oh, well, 100%. <laughs> Smart. Or go with the when biggest guy. When all else fails, go with size. <laughs> yeah, go with the biggest guy. All right, here's a, just a fun question, right? Um, a- NFC Championship game two years in a row. I know you're disappointed by that. Uh-huh. What team was better? Did you feel like last year, you know, the loss to the Rams, or this team, of course, with Brock Purdy being healthy, was better? Why did you have to put the quarterback situation? Well, I just wanted to make sure, you know, I, I'm not saying before he got injured, we're not talking about that look you guys looked like in the second half. Uh, I feel like this team's, this this year's team was better. Yeah. Um, top to bottom for special teams as well. Um, adding George Odom to our, to our special teams and end up being an all-pro guy. Like, yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. And then, you know, from top to bottom on our defense, start with a D-line all the way back, like, you got guys, yeah. and then, I mean, go to the offense. I mean, from Trent on down the line, like, you just look at our huddle on both sides, like, all three phases, you like, like, how? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like. Yeah, so this year was, the, you, this this one hurt more because you felt like, you know, I know see, they ball hurt. See what's, see what's crazy? Last year hurt ten times worse than this year did. Because of the, just the, how close it was, the game? No, more so of. We like we had a chance, like a, a opportunity. This past game, we didn't have you had a, no chance. We had right. he's talked about that a lot. When like no chance, you knew it was over. Or you were you knew you were in deep trouble. We was in real big trouble. Right. Like we can't throw the ball. Like, but yeah. you want to take it back to 1950s where we <laughs> wildcatted three well, yards every carry. I thought I mean, maybe you might do it. Actually, <laughs> that probably would have took about ten minutes off the clock right there. <laughs> when we met with you at the Super Bowl a year ago. We were having some fun about your contract, and we were saying they need to pay you after everything you did last year, running the ball, receiving, everything you brought to the team. It got weird for a while. Got weird. <laughs> I mean, and I, I still this here when you're yeah, – that was our most no, fun moment no. of the offseason when, uh, when you're in the club and they had the signs, Debo Samuel back to the 49ers. What are you doing, How man? How close did it come, do you think, to you going somewhere else? No comment. 
Okay. <laughs> Damn. You just tormented my friend for an off hey, season. Man, That's hey. what you did, huh? Hey, man. What Kyle, a jerk. Kyle is my guy. He knows it. <laughs> you got it did right. you know in your heart it was going to work out in the yeah, end? Of course. Yeah. You just play him just business. Business. It's, at the end of the day, it's just business. Yeah, I know, I know it is. And we, we listen, we're all for it. We're always for the player getting paid. We, we were supporting you for sure. Um, I want to know, you know, you always keep it real. You got to play the Eagles and at least get a first-hand look at them a few weeks ago. The Chiefs, you got to play in the you know middle part of the year. You know, give us a, give us the, you know what jumps out. What's the thing that like you were like, oh my gosh, this is what the Chiefs are great at, and then oh my gosh, here's what the Eagles are great at when you first kind of evaluated them. Oh my God, you got Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, you got five guys, six, five six guys on the Eagles defensive line with. That are legit, plus right? Sex, right? So those and you are the got first one two guy things. with twenty, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so. the other guys at like ten, yeah. So Ridiculous. that was the first thing with each team. Where tell us about the Mahomes thing, though. Like, what, what is it? What is it? You know, what, even what, though you're on offense, what, is, what do you want? What do you? Well, want what know? does it do to your team? Even though you're on offense and you're not playing for them, like what, you know, like okay, we're going to have to play a special way. Or what are you thinking on the sideline when you're watching him throw? Some like of these? just please sack him. That's all. You <laughs> like if you don't sack him, like you're screwed. Yeah, you're screwed. Is there anybody else in football that's like that, in your opinion? Nah. No. Pat, Pat Mahomes is a little different. Yeah. Head boy different. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everybody says. You mentioned Jimmy Ward earlier, and I keep playing in my brain the last play of the game against the Cowboys. When they were setting up, I don't know what the hell. I don't know how Stuck you were playing, paying attention to Ezekiel Elliott playing <laughs> center and all that stuff, hey, and they're going to do something to fancy. The same thing <laughs> happened to the next yeah. dude that caught it. Yeah. <laughs> But, but that was just, boom. I mean, that, that is the epitome to me of what the 49ers are defensively, and you deal with that in practice. They don't pause, boom, down. We, we do it to each other in practice. Yep. That's yep. like, camp is, like, our camp is, like, real. Yeah, like, I know it is. Mano y mano, our best offense 11 versus our best defense 11, and we are. But what, but what happens is, and this was my concern for the 49ers all year long, I said that the best team in football as long as they keep their core group of players healthy, but it's hard to do when you play the way you do. You have reckless abandon and guys are going to get injured. You got injured, now you came back from it faster than anybody thought, but that's the balance. How do you strike that balance when you're playing? Of I'm going all out, and I know if I go all out all the time, there's a good chance that I'm going to be out for a few weeks. That's why you got multiple guys on your team that can help. Um, when I went down, we still didn't lose. You got C-Mac. You got Brandon Ayuk playing at a high level. Second half of the year, Kittle just turned Falling until, yeah. like, you got, like, we got guys just, like, step up. Like, not too many people talk about third and Jawan. Yeah. If, I mean, you, you just got Ray Ray McLeod, uh, special teams guy. Also, go in there and make a couple plays. Like, it's not a big old drop-off when, you know, somebody, if, if Christian got hurt, we have Mason. I mean, I can go back there and help. I got hurt. Yeah. Christian can co-play it's your receiver position. a little bit. Right, like, right. You know, you got guys on our team that just help in every way. All right. You got, there's one position where you might not want that, the quarterback. Like, <laughs> well, are you sick of, like, having to talk about the quarterback thing? Uh, a, I mean, does I, it wear I, on you I guys? Just, I just, it don't, it don't weigh on me uh, at all. Like, I'm a big guy on, like, control the things you can control. That's out of my control. Like, Kyle do a great job for us 
picking people to be a part of the team, and yeah. he knows the co- knows our culture, and he knows what he wants as a quarterback, and so does John and and Jed. So I feel like they they'll do right. They'll make the right decision for what's best for our team. If it's going to get a quarterback, they'll go get one. Yeah. If they believe in what we have, then that's what we're gonna rock with. Debo Samuel's here today. Thanks to the folks at Wells Fargo. Debo, tell us what you have going on. I mean, the big game food report. I mean, the Ooh. the agri food. The Agri-Food Institution is in, which means, I mean, it's, you got a big game coming up on Sunday. Yeah. The wings are 23% mm. lower than what it was. Right. So, I mean, Super Bowl party, get your chicken wings. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, that's just, that's just what's going on right now. You're telling me that, so that, that's, so, I mean, it's fitting. You got a boatload of cash, and now you're, you're selling Wells Fargo to us <laughs> here. That's what you're doing? Where are doing? you going to watch the game? Huh? Where are you going to watch the game? I'm going to be on the plane on the way home. Uh, you're not even going to sit and watch the game? You're that bitter at this right now? For sure. I ain't watched it last year either. Damn. We hope to not see you next year. (laughs) We hope that you'll be getting ready for the game. Debo Samuel, one of the best in the business, and his teammate, Christian McCaffrey, joins us when PFD Live continues right after this. and goal one yard line. Garoppolo in the shotgun. McCaffrey to his right. They're going to give it to McCaffrey coming left. McCaffrey, touchdown! San Francisco! He has thrown one. He has caught one. He has run one. The dynamite has detonated. I like how he clipped that, creating the impression that he threw it and caught it on the same play, which he probably could do if he really wanted to. Maybe Here he is. Be. He's that the, talented. The PFT Comeback Player of the Year. See, the real awards come out Thursday night, but we issue ours right away. You were the Comeback Player of the Year at ProFootballTalk.com. Christian McCaffrey with us here. Great to see you. How's yeah, everything? Appreciate you guys having me. I'm did you well, know thanks. you were the PFT Comeback Player of the Year? I did. Yeah, you did? did. Yeah, yes. You're supposed to say, no, I don't pay attention to your no, crap, no, I, Oreo. I pay attention to all of that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I really appreciate that. <laughs> you know, the, the whole concept of Comeback Player of the Year is controversial among the people who debate it because, right. and I don't want to name names, but if it's a guy who just was never very good and all of a sudden oh, had a man. good year, no, I mean, what are you coming back from? Yeah. You came back from adversity. You came back from injury. You came back from the fact that you play a position where every time you get the ball, you are going into a mass of humanity that creates a very real risk of an injury. And I, I respect anyone that plays running back in the NFL because you're guaranteed at some point to get banged up with all those huge bodies in there. You're hired. Yeah. You're hired. Appreciate that. <laughs> no, that's why he takes yeah. care of himself. All right, so let's get to the, the, the big moment of the year, first off. Just like, what, when did the, the lights come on, or when did you start to go, wow, I'm going to be leaving Carolina, and San Francisco is a real thing? You know, kind of explain how that all went down and the transition happened. Yeah, so I got traded on, a, on Thursday at about 11 p.m. Yeah. Eastern time. Uh, didn't say bye to any of my teammates. Um, I was on a flight 7 a.m., Got to Santa Clara on Friday morning, practiced for the Niners. This is after preparing for – I thought I was playing Tampa all week. Right. And practiced for, uh, for the Niners on Friday. Didn't know what I was doing. Head was spinning. Spent the next 18 hours, whatever it was, uh, with the coaches trying to learn as many plays as humanly possible. 
Well, so wait. So, I mean, you didn't have any even like an inkling maybe a week before the trade? Did you, when did you start yeah. to like go, okay, wait, maybe there's something might happen with me in my life here? Well, it was a lot of uh, chatter. There was a lot of chatter and right. speculation, and I didn't believe anything until it was, you know, cut and dry. And right. I think later in that week, it started to become more and more real. I think Carolina was just waiting for, a, you know, a better offer. And uh, they were honest with me and upfront, and I appreciated that. Right. Um, but once, once, uh, once I knew that it was about a 90% thing getting done, I started to think about it more. But it's tough, man. When you're, you know, those are my guys. I was a captain on that team. I still thought we could win, and, and, and I love those guys. I love going to battle with them every day. And uh, it, was a, it was an interesting time of my life because it's such an emotional experience to right. get traded from a place that you call, you've called home for five years, sure. go across the country, and now you got a new you know, new group of brothers, and there's a lot of emotions that come with it that you really can't address because it's as soon as you touch down, you're you're in the playbook trying to just get as familiar as possible yeah, with the offense. It's business time, right. and you landed in a great spot for yourself and for the 49ers. Did you find yourself paying attention to what the Panthers were doing because they ended up doing better than people thought they would do without you on the team with Steve Wilkes as the interim head coach? Were you were you from time to time kind of thinking, well, they're doing pretty well? I wonder how much better they do if I was still there. You definitely, as a competitor, you pay attention to all that stuff. To, to, to be transparent, I'm actually I'm happy. I think we've got got Coach Wilkes now on the uh, yeah, on the yeah good look at side. that. So Damn, right, it all comes full circle. Yeah. Um, no, I mean I think I think there's uh, you know you see that happen a lot when when uh, when coaches leave or when players get traded and, and the team kind of rallies behind one call and it, it's uh, it's common. And once again, you want those guys to do well because those are my teammates. Those are the guys that. You know, I really love those guys, and you want them to do well, but the competitive nature in you is like you don't want them to do better than you're doing. So yeah, right. you definitely pay attention to a little bit of that. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, no one else's success has anything to do with yours. Or, But, you know, it was an interesting uh, emotional dynamic. I bet. I bet. I, I, I never, never was good enough to get traded, but I, I cried when I got cut. I know that. That was <laughs> emotional because you're leaving yeah. your, your buddies that way, too. Uh, something Mike and I talk about all the time, you know, of course, my, my history with Kyle Shanahan a little bit. We always hear players in San Francisco, whether they get cut or there, they're always like, Kyle's a genius. Kyle's a genius. And, you know, I've told him before how great of a communicator Kyle is, and he'll put on video and tell you the rhyme and reason. Like, explain Kyle to people a little bit, if you can, and, and what makes him a genius on the offensive side of the ball there. Yeah, I think... Have you ever been any part of anything like Kyle so far? Never, as far as, right? Never. Okay. I've had a lot of coaches. Right. Uh, I've had some great coaches. And when I came to San Fran, I felt like a full rookie again. The things that I learned in the meetings that I'm still learning in the meetings and watching him watch tape is one of the coolest experiences I've had as a football player and to do that every day. And it's no, it's no you know, when people say he's a genius and multiple people, right. multiple people, multiple people say he's a genius, yeah. it's, it's not shocking to me because that's, that's a word I would use. You know, to do what he's done and to be able to uh, string together different plays that are sustain, sustainable yeah. constantly in, in, in all of his years in the NFL is is impressive. And what so, is it? Like, what is it when he's watching film? Like, what's I know he's saying some four-letter words. I'm still learning. But you're wish, learning just what? Yeah. Just how quickly he diagnoses things and then can say it to you and tell you what to look for and clues. What is what is it that impresses you? I think the first thing I learned is he understands all 22 positions and everyone's job on yeah. every single play. He right. can teach you about the defense just as well as he can teach you about the offense. Right. And he knows exactly where the ball is supposed to go on each play. And there's a purpose to every play. And sometimes the purpose might be to set up another play. Yeah. And it's the timing in which he calls the play. And it's who he's getting the ball to. 
and it's when he's getting the ball to him. And that's why you can be on your your, your third string rookie quarterback and still go on. Yeah, he's like an awesome offense. It's a, it's a sustainable offense. It's one that works, and it's one that's worked for a long time. And I'm just I'm extremely happy and, and revived to be a part of it. What was your take when Brock Purdy came in? What was your thought when he first is under center? Last guy taken in the draft, third on the depth chart, here we go. What was going through your own mind as you're adjusting to basically the emergency option taking over? When I, well, when I first got traded, Brock was the guy who I would spend extra time with, and we would go out to the turf field when, when everything was over, and he would call out the plays for me, and I would just walk to where I lined up and talk through it. And at the time, he's the rookie third-string quarterback. And so I was familiar with him. I was right. familiar with, with uh, him calling plays and all that stuff, and it was funny how it ended up happening. Um, but you know, I think I've played with 11 quarterbacks in, in five years, 11 or 12 quarterbacks wow. in six, no, now 13 in six years, something along, I might be wrong on the number, but it's You're something like along death. So <laughs> I, I know what it's like to have quarterbacks come in in the middle of games. So it's familiar, you know, to me, but um, I was still confident. You know, I was complete. I think everybody was confident. They, those guys were extremely confident. They were with him in training camp. They saw, you know, and he was practicing against the best defense in the league for the whole year and doing really well. And so I think our defensive guys were, they were extremely confident as well. So, and I just worried about me getting my job done. I wasn't worried about who was at quarterback or receiver. It was just trying to focus on my job. Well, talk about let's talk about some quarterback. Were you a little nervous a few weeks ago when you might have to play some quarterback? I mean, you can throw it a little. You know, could you have talk, called plays in the huddle and done all that? I said I felt like a rookie with the running back positions and, and going in at quarterback. That's a whole other level. Um, you know, I think at that point, we were all ready for anything. It was right. whatever you needed us to do, we were going to try anything to, to go out there and, and string together a win. And, and you're never out of the fight. Anything can happen. Defense can get a couple turnovers, a couple sure. big plays here and there. Right. Special teams can return for something. Oh, oh, for a while. Hey, you scored that touchdown, made it yeah. 7-7. I'm thinking, yeah. holy crap, they're, they're going to win this here. game with Josh Johnson. I right. know. And when he went down, it was... Uh, you know, there wasn't ever any doubt. It was. It's. I mean, you know how it, it's tough to win a football Deflating. game in the NFL right. without a quarterback, let alone the NFC Championship game. And I wish, I wish they had changed the rule where you're allowed to carry three. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen that happen other than the Broncos COVID quarterback situation that one year yeah, where the receiver right. had to play. Right. Hidden. Um, but I think they they should change that. You know, it's not good for us obviously it's not good for fans watching to, no. to not have a quarterback so I hope I hope there's some something that they do with that moving forward so that you know you can stay in the fight Christian is it easier to process the way the season ended because it was just like a stuff happens kind of an outcome it wasn't some rip your heart out in the final play of the game you just kind of knew early on we're, we're pretty much done here I think it was harder. I think it actually made it harder because it's what could have been. And yeah. I just feel like it feels like you had something taken from you. And uh, I think it hurt, you know, and obviously that's a hell of a team. I don't, I don't make excuses for losing ever. But that, that is, you know, and they're a good team with a good defense. And, and you know, but it You just, didn't get to throw your best punches at them. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Fighting yeah. with one arm. Right. Yeah, that is that is tough. All right, so yeah, talk about them a little. We're, we are at the Super Bowl, the Eagles. Like, your week of preparation, you know, what, what jumps out about them as far as their defense, you know, a player that you think is really special about them, you know, when you kind of scouted them? You know, they're, they're, I played with, you know, Hassan Reddick's a great player. I played right. with him in Carolina, and, you know, to see the success he's had is no surprise. Um, you know, they got a great pass rush. The DBs are good. Um, you know, their DBs play well off their pass rush. 
Uh, so, no, they're a good team. I hate talking about it. I know. Is there anything but... that blew you away when you saw them in person or at least when you turned on the film that week? You were like, oh, man, I didn't realize they were this or that. Was there an element of I, you know that you didn't know on TV watch, you know? I think in Kyle's system, right? You, you, you know, early in the week you have a good understanding of what they do well and what we're going to do to combat it, and you feel really confident. Like, we, I felt confident going into every single game. There wasn't one time where I looked at a team and I was like, dang. Right. There's nothing we can do against that, you know, it's, and 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 that's that's probably how they thought against us too. That's just the NFL and the competitive nature of it. But um, once again, just not having a quarterback, it's just tough to execute the game plan. Brandon Ayuk had some interesting comments in the aftermath of the loss to the Eagles. Basically, we were ready to expose that defense, and I think the Chiefs are going to expose that defense. Do you care to comment <laughs> on what Brandon Ayuk had to say? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Or do you have nothing to say? I, I, I don't care to comment, actually. Yeah. I'm going to call Brandon after this and be like, man, you're killing me. I, you, I got, man. They're we play this team that. next year. <laughs> no, not even that, yeah. But um, I think both teams are good. I think, we, you know, it's always tough because in the NFL, especially in the Super Bowl, anything can happen. I think, I think we were all salty after that last game because of the way it went down and felt like, you know, we had the team that could do it. Um, you did. So that, yeah. that's... I think a lot of that's just frustrating. Where, 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 where you're, you, you got there the week you played the Chiefs, right? So you're one of the few people in the league, you, you know, that you, guys, you played both teams a little. You know, what, just give us like your little yeah. assessment of the game and the matchup and what you thought of both teams. It's funny. It was the first time in my life going into an NFL game, I couldn't tell you one thing about the Chiefs' defense. Right. Uh, because, I, once a, again, like I was worried about the terminology and, and listening to the different plays and formations. And right. I think Kyle sh- strung together about a 10-play, 11-play package for me. I ended up being out there for about 20 of them. And so there were multiple times I was just having to ask Jimmy, hey, yeah. well, I don't know, Where know, do I know I what this is, what's, what's here. And, uh, you know, we made it work, but I, I didn't know anything. I know, you know, I know a couple of their guys, and I played against them. You played them two, two years, years ago, ago in KC, right? And uh, it was a barn burner. came down to, you know, the end there. But obviously you'd look at what they've done over the years with the quarterback that they have, the, you know, tight end and the skilled players that they have, and their defense plays well. Um, they're going to be tough to beat. Tell us what you have going on with oh. the P&G Battle of the Paddles. Yeah, so the Battle of the Paddles tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Twitch. Uh, it's a massive ping-pong tournament. So ping-pong is probably the most competitive thing other than football for me. And so I'm excited about it. I know there's guys like Jared Goff who are talking a bunch of mess, saying that they're the best in the league. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's live on Twitch, 7 p.m. You can you can buy a bu- bunch of different exclusive brand. There's a lot of exclusive brand deals. So the fans can interact. The fans can have fun watching and get some cool deals. Um, but it'll be it'll be fun. We'll have to. All right. To so see on what Twitch, PNG Battle of the Paddles, and you're so you're like, are you kind of guy like you have guys over the house on like Monday night and you watch game and do <laughs> ping pong battles or I'm, what? I'm familiar with ping pong. You're I, familiar. I, I play enough to want to join the tournament. Okay. So is it like okay. high end Olympics? <laughs> like they're just wailing away at the ball back and forth for five yes. minutes? Is it, oh wow. No, it, it, won't, it won't be that. You know, actually, maybe we'll see. I have no idea. I've never seen these guys play. I think I played J.C. Horn, who's a Panthers player, first round. Okay. And uh, I have. Experience playing him, and so, so you know his game. I know his game. He knows mine. He's right. probably pissed off that he drew me first. <laughs> um, but no, it'll be a lot of fun. 7 p.m. on Twitch. You know, one last thing, and I may regret this. For our awards, the only prize is satisfaction. But 
with that said, oh, here we go. Oh. Hey. Hey. We got Trey Christian Lance. We got Christian we got Trey Lance. I know. I know. We and we got Christian Trey Lance. Good, good to see you. We're, we're, on, the same, we're, we're on the same flight here. Hey, hey, that's all right. Don't worry. Don't worry, Trey. Good to see you, man. wasting someone's time. You're all good. He's only talking about ping pong. It's not the thing. What a guy. Seriously. He's the man. Good seeing you, Trey. Good seeing you, Trey. Let me change gears. Who's going to be your week one starter? It's funny. As soon as he can, knew that was coming. Yeah. Ping pong? I'll probably ping First, I'll, I'll be number one ping pong starter, and I don't know who's second. Here's what I was saying: we don't give any. I just trophies. hope it's not me. We don't yeah, give any trophies too. or awards for our for our comeback player of the year. But coach of the year, we've developed a thing where I ask the coach, "What do you want?" And I send it. So, what do you want? I'll send you whatever you want for comeback player of the year. That's why I say, I "May regret it," because God knows what He's going to ask for. What do you make want? A, a bottle of wine, bottle of scotch. He's rich. Okay. I need a new putter. Because I'm not right. getting into golf this what year. Kind, what kind of putter? Whatever the best one is. I don't know enough uh, about golf, but right. a putter, I will love you forever. Right. I appreciate it. Wow. Comeback player of the year gets a putter. Damn. I may regret that, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see how much putters cost. Christian McCaffrey, thanks for some of your time. Congratulations on your success. All the best tonight with the battle. You of better the make a run in this thing. Like yeah. You can't be like the guy selling the tournament and get knocked out in the first that's, round. That's right. We'll right. cover it. There'll be an item on PFT. Man up. Here we go. Back with PFT live right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.